Welcome to Escape This Podcast, a show that's a mix between tabletop role-playing and escape room puzzles. This is episode 7 of season 10, and we're back to a Danny room. Danny, you've written this one? This is true. You know, sometimes you I don't, can people don't that. know. It could have been a guest room. Maybe I'd written it for the first time ever. Maybe it was a <laughs> special bill room where all the puzzles and story are terrible and no, nothing, and no one understands what's going uh. on. And it's full of obscure references to weird songs that no one's ever heard. Yeah. It's, it could happen. Uh, I fully <laughs> expect it to happen. Every episode we have guests come on and try and play through a escape room that exists only as an audio room, plus all of the visual supplemental images that yeah. you will find linked below, to try and escape from one of Danny's rooms. And this episode we have two new guests. We have Chase Ingram and M. Earhart. Welcome. Thank you so much for having us. We're extremely excited and extremely nervous. <laughs> uh, I'm ready for it. Chase and M are from Level One Geek, and for people who pay attention to our Discord or me on Twitter, I've done a lot of work with Level One Geek. Uh, would one of you like to explain what it is, what what the Level One Geek experience is? Yeah, M is the beautiful wordsmith of our group. So, M, why don't you why don't you tell the good people <laughs> what we do? Ah, oh, thanks for the tee up there. I definitely feel confident in all my words that I've ever had. All right. <laughs> so Level One Geek is a conglomerate of a bunch of nerds who believe that TTRPGs are for everyone. So our goal is to show people that a bunch of dorks can get together online, play games. It's not scary. Um, we have a website where we blog and help people jump into this wonderful hobby of role playing games, how to convert your friends who are non-geeks into these games and how to like step up into your first character into the dm shoes for the first time and enjoy telling stories as a group which is really great because the most common response i feel when you ask someone hey do you do tabletop rpgs by far the most frequent response you hear is oh i'd love to but i just don't really know or know anyone or how to do that that's exactly what it is. We're like, everyone can start at level one. Like, that's where your character is going to start anyways. You can just hop right in. And we're here to show you that it's not scary. It's just a good time. Wonderful. And so I have been playing a lot of tabletop role-playing games with both of you and, and other level one geek people live streamed on Twitch, which has been a lot of fun. We've been playing uh, uh, M and I won. The last large player player You wouldn't competition think that campaign. winning was a thing yeah. you could do, but occasionally. Usually people tell you tabletop role-playing game doesn't have any winners, but we're winners. We won <laughs> yes, uh, we are. A, a, a series called Tabletop Treasure Hunters that Chase put together and ran, which was phenomenal. And uh, we're actually, at the exact moment that this episode comes out, you can head over to twitch.tv slash LVL1geek. There'll be a link in the show notes below, but if you can click on that right now, there's a good chance that... Chase and I are currently live in a new first episode of a new campaign of Horizons of the Vast, playing Starfinder, where I'm playing, spoilers, a, a, a big sentient bear, a telepathic bear, <laughs> who's also a, 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 an artist who's founding a new colony on a strange new planet. It's great. I mean, what's not to love to go see Bill playing a sentient bear? <laughs> Speaking of live streams, we should probably actually make mention of something else that we're doing this week, because that's going to be happening in a couple of days from when this releases. That's true. In just a few days, as part of the Max Fun Drive for uh, the Max Fun Network, which we are not part of, but we're part of their Max Fun Drive, we are running a escape room 
as a live streamed event for the McElroy brothers. Justin, Travis, and Griffin McElroy will be playing another one of our escape rooms. All it new. Be, you haven't heard this room before. It's a whole new room bespoke just for Max Fun Drive. We'll be running that as a live stream. I'm about to find out the exact place you need to go, and here's me from the future to tell you the exact details. Here he is. Thanks, Past Bill. So the live stream is this Thursday night for Americans at 9.30pm Eastern Time. For Australians, that's 11.30am on the Friday morning. And you can catch the live stream on the McElroy Family YouTube channel. There's a link in the show notes below, but it's youtube.com slash themcelroyfamily slash live. So if you follow that link at 9.30pm Eastern US time on Thursday evening, you can catch the live stream, check out the new escape room, and have lots of fun. All right, back to the present. Or the past? The future? I don't know how this whole editing time zone thing works, but back to the episode. All right. That being said, whenever we have guests on the show, we always ask the same questions of the guests. And the first one is, this is an escape room show. So what is your escape room experience? Chase, do you want to start? I would love to. We have a bit of escape room experience. I'm not sure like what the average curve of escape room experience is, but we've done like somewhere in the range of like six to nine escape rooms. We actually, this past week, we played a little board game called Exit which was like a little ah. board, a little escape room in a, in a board game box. Uh, so that was pretty fun. I personally have done some VR, like the room. So mm. uh, yeah, we've, we've nice. done a bit of escape rooms here and there. We've got some fun ones where we're from. Yep, that's fair. Now I'm assuming, M, you'll have pretty much the same escape room experience, or do you have any extra fun little facts? Yeah, I have basically the same experience. Chase and I have played most of our escape rooms together. Um, and really, there is a like a big curve on how well done an escape room can be. <laughs> have you noticed that? Like, oh, there's one time where we were in this place and they forgot, they, they left us there. Like they were supposed <laughs> to trigger something when we solved a puzzle oh. and nothing happened. So we were solving the puzzle over and over. We're like, what? what's happening? So we asked for a clue and they just weren't there. We're like, okay, oh, no. um, we're just locked in this room <laughs> for a while, I guess. Excellent. <laughs> oh no. Besides we... that, I play like games on my phone. I love all like the puzzle escape games. So mm. I do that a lot. Then the other element of this show is it is escape rooms mixed with sort of tabletop role-playing mechanics and style. Uh, so we've talked a little bit about this already, but what is your tabletop role-playing experience? How em, far back does it go? Do you want to start this time? Oh, I don't believe in tabletop games. That's like I not a thing them. that I do. They're <laughs> just bluffing on your intro. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, um, I've been playing for 11 years my cousin sat me down one day was like, hey, we're going to build a character and you're going to join my table. And I was like, OK. And I built the most complicated thing. I didn't understand what was happening at all. And I basically sat there and just rolled dice and people told me to roll dice and then got really stubborn after I moved. And I was like, I'm going to actually learn how to play these games. So I started poking <laughs> all my new coworkers and be like, do you have a group that I can join? Until I finally landed a group. Where Chase was, and that's how we met. Oh, oh lovely. <laughs> we, we we did romance as characters before we romanced oh. as real life people. So <laughs> it's it's a beautiful love story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's phenomenal. Uh, well, and then Chase, how did you get to that table? 
So my experience is it's about the same as M. She said 11 years and it made me very aware of the passing of time. I can't believe it's been that long. But <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I, I started playing around the same time. Uh, I played with some people shortly before I met her and I've just not stopped playing since. I love it. I've I've GM'd for the majority of it. I've kind of become a what they call a forever GM. I, I usually end up GMing the games, but I love playing in them as well. I played most of my experience has been in the Pathfinder universe. That was like my first TTRPG love was Pathfinder first edition. And then since we started streaming, I really branched out and tried a lot of different TTRPGs and they're just, they're all fantastic. Good time. I do. Can I tell a story about you, Chase? And like your first TTRPG experience? Uh, Yeah, I'm afraid to go for it. So Chase thought he was too cool for TTRPGs at first. He was like, I'm a nerd, but I'm a video game nerd. And those are different things. <laughs> mm. So he had this coworker named Toby and Toby was bored at work one day and they started like messaging on their little work computers and was like, if you were in this sort of scenario, what would you do? And like an hour or three passed and Toby was like, ha, you just played a TTRPG. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, he tricked me into it and I absolutely loved it. He made me say I loved it before he said what it was. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think we're ready to go. Um, I've got my script up in case I need to do some voices, which I think I do. Yeah. All right. Now I should specify for this room. You two are two individuals. I haven't really specified what your relationship to each other is. I think in my head, probably just siblings or friends or something like that. But yeah, so this just means that occasionally through this room, there may be a point or two where you have to do your own individual things and get your own individual information. But just yeah, just a thing to keep in mind for the bits. Yeah, sometimes bits. when people play our games, they're two brains in a single body. Yeah. This time you're two brains in two bodies. The first okay. hint has been revealed. <laughs> Your Uncle Ben called you right after dinner. Did you see the news? That's his voice. Sure, sure. Now you did. You've been following along with this story ever since the beginning, ever since you learned that you had a faint connection to the people involved. Weeks ago, a small research boat called the Cichlid sailed out for work and never came back. Nobody knew where it was going, what their aim was, but someone did know when it was supposed to return. Uncle Ben. He worked in the lab that analysed the cichlid's samples, and over the years he'd grown really close with the small crew. He reported their disappearance to the police, the navy, the media, everyone. But the research team was never found. The cichlid, however, was unearthed this afternoon. The water police discovered some small pieces of floating wooden glass and realised they were right above the not-yet-to-the-very-bottom wreck. The news didn't say much, just that they used pulleys to drag it up, and in doing so found it had a massive hole in the hull. Ben hasn't taken the news well. That couldn't have been an accident. Someone, or something, attacked them. But why? Had they found something they shouldn't have? They always were tight-lipped about their research. Now, the water police weren't bringing the wreck into shore just yet. They just loosely cordoned off the segment of sea where they were holding it. Like they were police taping a bit of ocean until they could get a proper investigation done. But Ben is nervous. Someone wanted so badly to keep my friend's research suppressed, they killed them. That's not normal. That's conspiracy level stuff. I'm worried. I'm worried the police are going to cover this up. 
The case has been giving you a weird feeling. You agree. So when Ben tentatively asks... Would you be willing to help me out with this in a maybe not so legal way? You didn't hesitate for very long. Now, late at night, well after normal visitors and workers have gone home, you've arrived at the local marina. Uncle Ben has a small motorboat docked here and plans to take you to investigate the risen wreck of the cichlid yourselves. This part of the marina is very simple. There's a small transient-looking building with a sign saying, Staff only. There is a stall that sells bait. A wall with a large painted cardboard screen where kids can poke their heads through for photos. And the doorway to the actual docks, which has a glass door in front of it. Unfortunately, and perhaps predictably, this glass door is locked after business hours. Oh, I, uh, I didn't think of that. Well, you can't just wait until morning. Who knows what the water police will have done with any evidence by then. You said it's late at night, correct? Indeed. Well, I think that we probably have a couple of options here. Anything that says staff only is sure to have things <laughs> that we shouldn't. So maybe keys for the door? That yeah. or whoever owns the bait shop. Is there anybody currently working at the stall that sells bait? There is not. You take a look at this bait stall. It's not very big. There is no one manning it, but you do see it still has its very reasonable selection of different baits lined up in square tubs, sort of like an ice cream parlor uses to display their different flavors. They even have a few fish if you're the sort who just wants to buy them instead of hunting them yourself. All of these uh, little tubs are closed, so you can't see if the fish and baits are actually in them right now. But you can still take a look. And they also have a sign next to them explaining what baits work with what fish. Now, I've sent a, a link uh, so you can see this image. For people at home, these are all linked in the show notes below. Uh, but Chase, would you like to describe what you see in this image for our audience at home? It looks like there is tubs of bait with bream, yabby, salmon, trout, flathead, sandworm, mullets, pie pies. Scrub worms. Is it pippies? Pippies. 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 Scrub worms. Pippies. Scrub worms, maggots, garfish, and whiting. And then uh, it says, making your lines work. You've got to use the right bait for the right fish. And uh, it's got listed maggots for redfin, pippies for garfish, mullets, and salmons. Sandworms for whitings, scrubworms for perch and redfins, and yabbies for bream, cod, and flathead. I'll put an asterisk on the scientific accuracy of that because it turns out most fish eat most stuff. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> you don't have to be. The, this is how they. But that's this is uh, not about scientific accuracy. It's about, it's about selling to people. That's true. You mm -hmm. got to be like, no, they'll only eat my mm -hmm. brand of scrubworms yep. and nothing else. So like the, the fish, like there's salmon in the tub as well? They are covered up. So, you know, like an ice cream parlor is sort of a glass thing above it and only the worker knows how to get inside. So you can see the tubs there. You can't actually see if the things are in there or not. Okay. Am I blind or do I not see redfin on the list of pictured fish? This is true. They are not selling redfin. Interesting. Interesting. But it looks like most everything else is on here. All right. 
know mental what note. To do with that yet? And nobody's there manning the stand. Is it? Is there like anybody around right now? Or are we like in a pretty secluded area? No, it's area? deserted. I'm here. It's me, <laughs> Uncle Ben. Should we take a closer look at the small staff-only building? Is the door even unlocked? Yeah. yeah. Take a guess. So this is a very little building. It's barely the size of a toilet block. No windows. And the only door in is indeed locked. It needs a three-digit combination to open. Not too much. And maybe fittingly, considering your surroundings, the lock itself is shaped like a fish. Does the, the, the type of fish it's shaped like look like anything from the bait stall? Or is it just kind of like a generic, like, cartoony? It's very fish? much just a little blue fish. Hmm. Okay. Well, just to say that I've looked at it and make sure I'm not missing anything, can I take a walk around that wall with, like, that cardboard screen for pictures? Indeed. So, yep, it's got big cartoon characters with holes where the faces should be so that kids can stick their heads through. There are four characters on the wall, all of them very nautical themed, and you're going to be seeing an image of that. And also, as you're walking around it, not a bad idea because you spot something on the ground at the back hooked sort of loosely around one of the corners. Like it just got caught there and nobody noticed. It's a lanyard with a marina staff ID attached to it. You don't know whose it is. It doesn't say the person's name, but it's just got the name of the marina and a barcode. Uh ho Looks like someone left something behind. Um, and I've also put in uh, a link to the image for the photo cutouts, uh, which, M, you can describe to the audience at home. Amazing. Okay, so uh, first off, the eye goes to Fisherman Andy, who is standing <laughs> with his pole over his head, which is not proper fishing posture, but he looks <laughs> extremely excited. The For a man without a face. Exa- exactly, yes. Uh, and the line is whipping down towards an, an anemone, which is uh, down below with its little tendrils reaching up to the side of Fisherman Andy. You can see Larry Lionfish in all of Larry's splendor with a face cut out about the eye. And beneath that is Rowena Ray, which looks like a stingray of some sort flapping in the ocean. I want to go put my face through some of those. Is there like any notable scenery when you're looking through the whole of these cutouts? Not especially. You just get that sort of weird effect. Like if you stick your head through Rowena Ray's, you see how she still has a mouth, but mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of weird. Yeah, mm-hmm. When they do that, sometimes the face hole just isn't, isn't the whole quite face. Where the face is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do I look a little flattering weird, but... when I'm in Fisherman Andy's face though? I, you look very triumphant. Excellent. But no, uh, playing around with these, uh, with where you stick your head, you do not notice anything new. Okay. Uh, and then the the staff ID badge that we got, is the barcode like the type of barcode where it's just the bars or does it have numbers underneath of it? It doesn't have numbers. In fact, maybe barcode is a bit funny thing, but it looks like a scannable thing. It needs to it's scan in somewhere. Coded. Okay. I would think we should uh, probably take that badge over to the glass doors and see if there's a scanning thing to open the doors there. Mm. Yeah, that's smart. You head over the glass door. It's a very thick glass, and it does indeed have an ID swipe lock. There are also four unmarked 
buttons on this lock arranged in a slightly odd pattern. And I think when Bill is finished drawing, he can show you a picture of that. It's oh. not much. It's just showing you the weird position that these buttons are in. But uh, you can take a look and it does look like you could swipe this ID card if you wanted to. So you do so. You run the barcode along the sensor on this door. The little screen beeps, but it's kind of a sort of beep. It's not the positive um. kind. So you take a closer look, and the little screen has some words on it. Card data error. Please refresh in any Starfish brand reprogrammer 3320 machine. You're lucky enough to randomly pick up an ID, and it's broken. Great. Well, at least we don't have to worry about getting someone in trouble. They probably track whoever, uh, you know, they swipes might. their badge. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Did you notice that these uh, the position of these looks exactly the same as the cutouts? So this is the buttons. Yeah. Oh, let me take a look at the buttons here. I yeah, look at them side right. by side. Like if you look over there at the buttons and you look over there at the wall, they're like the same position. Let me let me side by side these. Yep, that is the exact same layout as the cutout. The, the buttons are all the same color or they're different colors? Colored is a bit of a funny way of putting it because they're sort of gray. It looks like they could have a light that comes through from behind them to light them up properly. It is not currently lit up in any way, though, so they're all just kind of dull gray. Okay, dull gray buttons. Well, I'm thinking we could try alphabetical. I don't know if it's risky to try pushing the buttons in a wrong order. I think we should reference back to that fish thing and see if we can find something that was... Can connect them back to each other. Yeah, I like that as well. Let's look at the names of the fish versus the names of the cutout. Some of these have the same names, like Larry Lionfish, as begins with LL, Romina Ray begins RR, and then Fisherman Andy is like FA. Like it could have been Fisherman Frank. Hmm. So I don't know if that's just True. random noticing or if that's an actual thing. <laughs> I just barely realized that it's. Emma and enemy and I yeah. love that. <laughs> it's beautiful, honestly. I don't know. I'm not seeing like any connection between the bait shop and the cutout. How would you how would you feel if I tried pushing a button? You can try pushing those buttons. Nothing happens, and it feels very much like they are in an inactive state. And you start to suspect maybe scanning a correct ID needs to happen first. Mm, gotcha. That makes okay. sense. What I'm thinking is that if we can get into the employees only stand, that might have what we need to mm -hmm. reset the badge. And then I'm feeling like these cutouts probably relate to those buttons because that was pretty, that was a good observation. So maybe we need to look closer at the bait. Now, is there anything else we haven't looked at yet that I'm missing? No, you've covered it all well. I mean, I feel like the making your lines work has got to be a clue. So we're probably looking for something in that. Now, it's, it's a three-digit code on the lock. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if I was going to take a guess at this, so Perch and Redfin are the ones that I'm noticing and cod as well uh that aren't on here mm -hmm. so if i was going to go off of this thing here i would potentially 
remove like I would say like see how it says maggots redfin mm-hmm. I would say the first number would be from the pippies would be garfish mullet salmon those three are on there so the first number might be three and then sandworms has whiting on there so that'd be the next one so the numbers would be three one and then scratch out scrub worms and go with yabbies but yabbies has cod which isn't on there which means that number could be two Making your lines. Oh, um, what if you remember, so like, you know, I don't know if this is actually going to be a thing. You never so you know. know how all numbers can be reduced down to like six boxes. Right. And then you can like draw on your boxes. So like a two can look very squarish or a five can be like the reverse of that. We could try mm-hmm. and like see if these draw a number. Like if we follow, let's say hypothetically, we went like bream, yabby, down to sandworm, down to across to flathead, down to garfish, over to whiting, that would make a number. Ah, so we scratch out maggots because it goes to nothing. So, I mean, if we scratch out uh, maggots and, and scrub worms, that leaves us with three lines left. So that is probably where our three numbers are going to lie. It's going to be mm-hmm. in the, the pippies, the sandworms, and the yabbies. Mm-hmm. So I'm not to go from garfish to mullet to salmon. I mean, that's just going in a line. So I don't know if the if the drawing out a number is going to pan out. That's clever. Fair enough. Why draw a line between garfish? And mullet. Yeah, it's true. If you draw the line from Pippi to Garfish, what does that do for you? So, like, if Pippi went to Garfish and to mullet and to salmon, that could be that a looks three. like a three. Yeah. Yeah, I think that definitely makes a three. So then, let's try the next one. Then, so, so sandworms to whiting would be a one, three one, yeah. and then yabby. Goes to do bream, so straight over, and then cod doesn't exist. So then, if you go down to uh, the flathead, then that makes a seven. No, seven goes the other way. Yeah. Oh, no, no it doesn't. No, it doesn't. That's a seven. You're right. I did that with a three during the playtime. I'm like, that's not a three. That's a backwards three. (laughs) (laughs) So three, one, seven? Three, one, seven. You type that into the fish lock and it clicks and the staff room door opens up for you. The inside is dark and it's very small, even though it's really minimalist. There's virtually nothing in here. The most interesting thing is the tall machine pressed up against a wall with a colorful image on the front saying that it is a Starfish Reprogrammer 3320. Oh, perfect. I let my wonderful compatriot go in first with a quick whisper to Uncle Ben that if they're cameras, you'll notice them. What? What? <laughs> You're whispering. You're saying yeah, Chase I'm going to walk in there. I'm going to try swiping the badge on that reconfigure. How, how old is Uncle Ben in your head, Bill? 28. <laughs> 28? <laughs> <laughs> you go up to this reprogramming machine, and there is a slot to insert a card right in the front center of it. So, you sticking that in? Yep, yeah, absolutely. The machine whirs. 
Uh, there's a narrow screen that lights up at the front and it's got some words that scroll across it. And it says, Welcome, Louis Farrell. Barcode data corrupted. Reprogram? You see a green button? You assume that means yes? So... Okay. The machine hums and whirs some more and then it says, Reprogramming complete. Please remove card. All right. Let's go open this glass door. You swipe the newly refreshed ID and the scanner gives you a much happier beep this time. Farrell, the little screen blares in enormous letters. Then, a little less dramatically, please enter personalized code and the four buttons on the screen light up. Now, are they just like white light or are they colored light? They're all the same white light as if they are active, but not a secret color code. Also, for the record, can I get the happy beep sound? I feel like it just might be important. Bring. There it is. <laughs> that was too happy. That was that was Morse code. Ah, so, so, so it's so, more so, low so key low. than that. Bring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have already got that they are in the same pattern as the cutouts. Mm. I'm trying nonsense over here. I'm counting the letters and the names to see if there's an order with which we should press them depending on how many numbers are in each. But you follow your own train of thought. I will mindlessly count letters. (laughs) No, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking either that or alphabetical are the first things that come to my mind. It might be more complex than that, but those are the first two things that pop into my head. I'm going to try pushing one. I'm going to try pushing the bottom right. Nothing happens. It seems like, yeah, it acknowledges that you pressed a button, but... Nothing. And then after a certain amount of time, after not pressing another button, it makes a timeout sound, which I guess is a beep, beep. Excellent. And so you feel like it has restarted. Well, I mean, if we were going to go alphabetical, it would be Emma Nenemy, Fisherman Andy, Larry Lionfish, Rowena Ray. You press the buttons in that order and it goes beep, beep, and restarts. Yeah. Okay. The sound effects are really what I'm here for. Like, this is living up to everything I've ever dreamed it would be. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We need one of those things that's got sounds, buttons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A a DJ board. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And if Brian Bill of the happiness of making all the sounds. Oh, he he would have programmed all the sounds in. They would all be his voice. Puzzle, puzzle, puzzle. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, So did you try Did you count the the, the letters yet? So I'm going to try and go uh, push Rowena Ray, the equivalent on the keypad. Then the Emma Nemini. (laughs) Do that one, that one. And at the same time, I'm going to hit Larry Lionfish and Fisherman Andy because those are both 13. Crafty. Bam, bam. I'm sorry. <laughs> Crafty, but wrong. Okay. Crafty. Is there like a food chain order here that we need to consider? I don't know much about the sea life, but. What is interesting like... to note about the message that you got from the, the, uh, mm. the swipe card when you placed it is it did ask for, uh, it asked for Farrell's personalized code. Mm. So it might be more about him than it is about the photo. Oh, wait. So uh, Farrell's card was hung up on one of these these pieces, right? 
Uh, it was sort of hang- it was sort of stuck to the bottom corner somewhere. Oh, come on, Farrell! You couldn't have lost this at a more <laughs> it useful was, it location was hanging for me. Equidistant from every button, <laughs> every single one. Okay. I feel more confused now. What about you? <laughs> Same, actually. <laughs> what do we know about this Louis guy? Very little, basically, just his name. Yeah, we know Louis. his name. We know allegedly he is a human. I see it. Okay, so if we go by the first letters, we got Fisherman Andy for F. We've got M Anemone for E. We've got Rowena Ray for R. And we've got Larry Lionfish for L. Yeah, which that makes almost, sense to me. I don't know if that's how you spell his last name. It's probably missing a, a vowel in there. but You can see how you spell his name. It comes up on the, on the swipe cardy thing when you swipe it. His name is spelt F A. R-R-E-L-L, Farrell. Mm, so F-A-R-R-E-L. So we're going to go F-R-E-L in that pattern. So Fisherman Andy, Rowena Bray, and This is entirely why I did this. This is cruel. Eminemony. Eminemony and then Larry Lionfish. Can we try that pattern? You can, and that does indeed spell out Farrell, just F-A-R-R-E-L-L, very simply. So you do that, and the entire of the lock screen flashes green, and instead of you hear <laughs> and the glass door slides open. You hurry Excellent. through, and Uncle Ben gets to work untying his boat. And because Billy's not ready to read anything and it doesn't matter anyway, you take off. You're on the water for a very long time in the dark before eventually you catch sight of some police boats. You're getting close. Beyond them, tied to a rescue vessel, you see the cichlid. Your boat is small and quiet enough that you can sneak around the back unnoticed. So you make it to the far side of the cichlid where the police can't see and you clamber aboard. Normally a boat like this, you would still need to go up a ramp or something to be able to get to the main deck, but... It's still clearly having some sinking issues because you can walk straight on. It's almost completely dark. The only light is from the police boats and they're pretty far off. From what you can see, you've got the outside deck of the cichlid fully enclosing a small indoor area. The outside deck doesn't seem like it's got anything interesting on it, so you go straight to the indoor spot. Inside, you find that at the front, there are the boat's controls. On the left is a computer. To the right, a big sonar screen, and at the back, a table with a radio and a briefcase-like thing. Uh, it's labeled safety kit. As you're looking around and getting your bearings, Uncle Ben frowns. There must be evidence around here somewhere, but I'm pretty sure they've told me they keep all their important stuff down below. Where is down below? Yeah, you don't see any way to get to a lower deck or a lower part of boat. I'm glad that this is a podcast so that nobody can see my drawing. <laughs> if you want to send pictures, I'll be I'll I'll be happy to receive them. I love seeing people's pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so the controls are just like the boat controls, yeah. Yes, they seem like they're largely for making the boat go. Some of them look very intuitive. Like, hey, there's a button that says left. That seems easy enough. But there are also some weird ones. 
like right beside that, there's one that says left, left. Hmm. Left, left? Is that just more left? You don't know. It's weird. So you see a couple of buttons that are just slightly off like that. You look at Ben inquiringly. I don't know. Doesn't look anything like mine. I use a steering wheel, you know, like a normal person. On the plus side, you probably won't have to mess around with controls too heavily because the water police might notice if the half-wrecked research vessel starts zooming off. Sure, that makes sense. If Uncle Ben thinks that this was sabotage of some kind, Mm -hmm. or fishy scenario in general, is there any way to, like, see if there has been any tampering with these controls? Like, is there a panel underneath to look at wires? As far as you can tell from your limited knowledge, I also haven't given you an age in this, you don't see anything suspicious in this area. Okay. Well, if Uncle Ben is 28, then I think that makes me like (laughs) nine. (laughs) (laughs) We're pretty young. All right. What about computer? You said there's a computer Hmm. screen. Does it look like it's damaged at all? Believe it or not, at first glance, it looks like not only is it undamaged, it's on. It's just got a screensaver sitting there. So you go up, you wave the mouse around. Oh, hold on. Okay, now that you've done that, maybe the water did mess it up a bit because what you see on the screen is just a mishmash of letters and symbols that mean absolutely nothing to you. You press enter just to see what happens and ooh, a message pops up and it says that to unlock... It wants you to type in your nearest port and the current time. Nearest port and current time? Yeah, now here's the thing. It took you a while on the boat to get here. You have no idea how much time has passed or exactly where you are. That checks out for me. I never know where I'm at mm. when, I, when I drive somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Can I take a look at the, the, the sonar? What's going on with the mm. sonar? It's a big screen. It's got some concentric circles and crisscrossing lines. There's currently a flashing circle up in the top left, which you guess means it's detecting something. But you have no idea what or where or how to find out more information. There are no buttons or anything for you to mess with here. It's just the screen. And after a while, the flashing circle just moves to another point on screen for seemingly no reason. And then again to another spot a bit later on. You None of this means anything to you right now. Do we see any any name on the port that we just came from? You came from the marina and you know what it was called, but that's not quite the same thing as a port. Gotcha. Okay. You don't know what this area is like. There might be lots of little ports nearby. Mm, you may have traveled far enough from that because that was where Uncle Ben's boat was, not necessarily the nearest possible port mm. to this boat. And then I guess let's dig in the safety kit and see what we got in there. This safety kit is designed like a briefcase, so it's got separate dials on the left and the right to input the right combinations. Interestingly, the left half wants three digits, like a normal briefcase. The right wants three letters. That's a little weird, but okay. You flip the case around to look for any extra insight, and on the bottom you find a sticker with some words that have been handwritten on it in green, and it says... Stack alphabetically going down. Stack alphabetically <laughs> going down. Do you see any more of these briefcases lying around? Not at all. All right. All right. And uh, I, just because it's there, let me look at the radio. 
The radio is currently off, but it appears to be working, so you flick it on. It is set to a station, but with a mass of static coming out. You can barely understand the words being said by the DJ. And so that was, you're listening to Port Royal Radio, the hit making a comeback. That was all you could really hear. Port Royal. Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. As you look at the radio, you see there's actually something sitting behind it. Again, somehow miraculously dry, a single safety flare stick. Add that to inventory. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Safety flare stick. All right. That's going to be handy. Okay. It's a lot to unpack here. Um, can I go back over to the computer and see if it has like that little rectangle in the corner that says the time? <laughs> if only. <laughs> <laughs> what versions of Windows are they using? <laughs> so that jumble of symbols and letters that you mentioned, that's gone. And now it's just asking for the nearest port and the time. Yeah, it's just like a big pop-up doing that. So you assume once you get those in, the weird letters will come straight back. Gotcha. Okay. okay. I'm going to go ahead and uh, type in that we're at Port Royal because we know that now. Well, you know that that is a port, but... Not if it's the closest. The amount of static that you were hearing on that radio gives you the impression that it may not have been amazingly close. Mm, hmm. Fair enough. I, I'd like to try fidgeting with the radio tuning. Mm. You flip around, you search through channels, and you manage to find four more stations that are within range, all with varying amounts of static as well. We've been playing this number one hit non-stop since 10pm. We now take you to a five-minute ad break. But after that, we're going to play it again. Fair amount of static on that one. Yeah, a decent amount. You also hear one with very little static. Mm. Our $200 voucher question on tonight's Port Fancy Music trivia is this. Which three and a half minute song from the 1980s is about to hit three months at number one? Call in if you have it. I can reread any of these at any point afterwards if you like. Okay. Mm -hmm. Did you hear Port Heavy has played the same 80s song 40 times in a row tonight? Out of ideas, anyone? Here at Port Light, we... Again, quite staticky. And finally... Welcome back to Port Smart Pop Charts. Who would have guessed that Sultan Pepper's Push It would come back after decades and in such spectacular fashion? 12 weeks at number one. Quite staticky. All right. So I think we have some math to do. So they started playing the song at 10 p.m. Another station said how long the song is, and then they said how many times it has been played. So if we do that math, which I'm not going to do, Chase, that's your forte, uh, uh -huh. we should know approximately what time it is. Oh, and we have to account for the five-minute ad break. No, because Fine. the ad, ad break was just starting. True. Yep, Although it was... might be easiest to get the exact time if you wait until the end of the ad break. Ooh, true, 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 true. That's that's our buffer then. Okay, and then I think 
Port Fancy seemed to come in the most clear. Yeah, I think Port Fancy did come in the most clear. Let's see. So that was uh, been playing for five. Been playing since 10 p.m., right? Since Since 10 10 p.m. Playing nonstop since 10 p.m. Okay. How long was the song? Three and a half minutes. Three and a half minutes. Did one of them say that it played 12 times in a row? (laughs) Um, 40 times in a row. 40 times in a row. And then a five minute ad break. Did I miss anything? I think that's. I think you got what it. We need. That's everything. Okay. Incidentally, not easy to find a song that is exactly three and a half minutes long. And even is it Salt really? Pe- like, is that accurate? Uh, when you Google it, even Salt and Pepper's Push It, it stings a little bit at 328. But I thought that ah. would be slightly more obnoxious, Matt. Well, I'm surprised mm-hmm. you decided to find a real song that was three and a half minutes long rather than just being like, and it's the classic hit from Grimby and the Grambuses. 12 days oh. till sunrise. It's three and a half I, wanted every, long. I wanted to make sure that nobody had forgotten that this song existed and how great it is. <laughs> That's absolutely incredible. Okay, so that is going to be two hours and 20 minutes of playing that song. That means that I think if we wait till after the ad break, that should be... 12:25 a.m. That feels right. It feels pretty midnighty right now. Feels pretty midnighty right now. So let's try putting in Port Fancy and wait till after the ad break and put 12:25 a.m. As you type this in, the letters Fancy and 1225 show up on screen just as you type them. That's not all. Above them, other letters and symbols show up. And it actually reminds you a lot of what you saw on the weird screen before. So now that you have entered this, you take a look at what you have written down and the weird computer stuff at the same time. Added a link to that. Danny, you missed your opportunity. What? What I do? Um, what did I miss? You type... What did I miss? I can't you, do it. You type in the code uh-huh. and then you push enter. Oh. You push it real good. Damn dun, it. Dun, 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 You're right. That's Don't upsetting. Worry. This is a podcast. You can say it right now. That's true. Right nobody now, will ever know. Good point. All right. So you enter the letters fancy. You push one, two, two, five. You push it real good. There you go. <laughs> what a joke. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. (laughs) Magic. Okay, so we've got we've got this now. We've got we've got jumbled (laughs) letters with jumbled symbols. So this means that you see how above it, Chase, this is the exact same number. So Mm -hmm. uh of like letters and stuff. So F clearly is correlating with B, A with W, N with J. So on and so forth. For audience members, we got ourselves a good old-fashioned cipher. <laughs> You've got a cipher. Yep. I have At to get a new page on my two. my notebook here. Yeah, this is this is a big room. Enter in a podcast flipping page sound. <laughs> now, do we think that this? is going to correlate it all to the stack alphabetically going down. 
Or is that no. going to be the order of the letters for the three digit code? I think that we're getting ahead of ourselves and we should figure out this cipher first and think about that at a future point in time. But that's just me personally. If you have okay. an, an already have an idea for that, that'd be great. I'm writing out the whole alphabet and then filling in the blanks to see if I can see a pattern as to how it's mixed. Mm, good idea. Nice. Okay. Sorry, there's going to be some dead air here. Oh, yeah. I... Yeah, that's all right. Well, you write out the alphabet and write out the alphabet again. I figured it out. Yep. Oh, you, wow. So fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't done the numbers yet, but I think I can do that in just a second. Okay. So what are you looking at for the for the alphabet? Um, so the alphabet is basically shifted down so that E is starting at A, so that it goes E, A, F, B, G, C, H, D, so on and that's so forth. Enough. Lovely. Okay. So from nice your, that's one. from your original fancy. So like, yeah, F has turned into B by going back a few. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful. So F's turned into B, and then, so the alphabet restarts, right, at A equaling W. Makes Wonderful. sense. Okay. Wow, what that was so numbers? quick. Nice job. I love ciphers. I used to make them up when I was a little kid because I oh, thought awesome. that they were fun. I don't. And this is why we complete each other. <laughs> <laughs> For that reason and that do, reason. You only. can do the math. I'll do the weird yeah. thinking. Okay. As a kid, Chase just figured out how many times salt and pepper could sing Push It within an individual hour. <laughs> I mean, that's a grand accomplishment here. <laughs> All right. Do you want to figure out the numbers, Chase? So, like, how that correlates? Yeah, let me just scrap um, I think my it's just shifted down. I think it's just shifted down. So, like, if you're looking at a keyboard, one now becomes the at sign and two becomes the hashtag sign, so on and so forth, down the keyboard just shifted one, I think. But I'm not 100% sure. That's just my gut check. Yeah, because, like, yeah. one, one, uh, in this cipher seems to correlate with the at symbol, but the at symbol is yeah. the one that shares a button with two. Exactly. Yeah, you're, Thank you're you for saying that right. better. Yeah, they, they all track out going one down the key. So that should be it. So I'll, I'll write out the numbers while you work on. So now the question is, what does Opweno Yikjapnak mean? So O would be S, P is going to be T, W, we know from the first cipher, first bit is A. E is now I. N is now R. And O is again S. Stairs. Okay, Stairs. so he's going to tell us how we're going to get down. Stairs. Let's go to the next one. Y, K, J, P, N, K, H. Stairs control. You're going to have the number on that one, but the first line is stairs control, blah, blah, blah. Stairs control. I've got all the numbers. I got the easy part done. Okay, I'm still working on the second one. I've got deco, and I keep getting mixed up. So Z A Y K N. Ooh, decontaminate. Oh, oh, this is oh. a terrible cipher. We're figuring out a message <laughs> with dangerous implications. <laughs> Decontamination. Okay, I thought that was going somewhere much more dangerous. 
And then the third one, uh, Chase, is what I'd like to rename my Starfinder character for the campaign that we've started today. Uh, Rezak Baz. It's a very good alien name. I love that name, actually. I am Rezak Baz. Chase, did you figure out the last line? No, nope, I just realized my cipher is wrong. Fake okay, bears. I'll get the last one. Because it's coming out complete gibberish, my bad. What was the third one? Uh, video feed. Uh, I see where it went wrong. Okay. Z-N-K-L. Do you want to tell, tell everybody where you went wrong? Yeah, I was. To. I was just curious. No, I was doing the letters backwards on this. Yeah, yes, did you go the happens. other way around? That's the yeah, classic cipher mistake that I always do as well. Because it yep, could be either way. Exa- <laughs> I was like, this doesn't o, make sense. And it's either going to be the S for stairs or a K. And you're like, what starts with K? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Sonic. Sonic. Durr. K is uh, O. Mm-hmm. And L is P. Sonic Drop. Sonic Drop. So we've got Stairs Control 827, Decontamination mm-hmm. 136, Video Feed 751, Sonic Drop 482. Was it 751? Let me double check. 756. Cool. Okay. I was about to say, I'm pretty confident on my portion of the cipher chase. So we know where we went wrong wrong now. Anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So stairs control eight two seven decontamination one three six video feed seven five six and sonic drop four eight two. Hmm. You have successfully ciphered. Let's type eight two seven and see what happens. You type in eight two seven and suddenly the whole floor rumbles. And out towards the bow of the boat, a section of floor is shifting, revealing a staircase leading down. Hey, that was really loud. They were going to hear us. Yeah, maybe Oops. we should check the video feed first. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should probably do that now before we go down and we run into whatever the video feed was going to show us was the danger. Ah, uh, the Cloverfield. <laughs> yeah, let's do 756. You type that, and a big grey blurry rectangle shows up on screen. You suppose this is the video feed, though you have no idea where the camera is or what it's looking at. It seems completely unfocused at the moment. Enhance. (laughs) (laughs) Is it effective? You see a grey blurry rectangle. (laughs) Okay. Decontamination seems sketchy. What is a sonic drop? That's a very good question. I'm afraid to type that in. I feel like that's a terrible idea. Like, are we just going to blow up the police boats? (laughs) I don't think that we're going to blow up the police boat, but I think that we could potentially anger whatever we saw on the sonar. Yeah, that is true. Hmm. An interesting aspect of this escape room is sometimes I say things and then I immediately look over at you two like, did I get it? Did I get it? Is that right? (laughs) Real um, quick sense motive over here. Yep. <laughs> Let's. I mean, should we should we mess with the decontamination and the sonic drop first, or should we go check out downstairs first? Why don't we look at the stairs? Okay. I want to specifically. We should keep an eye out for more briefcases. Note that we are creeping sneaky. Okay. You two creep sneakily for the stairs. You find an old light chain as you near the bottom, so you pull on that. It doesn't work very well. The light bulb is dim and orange, and 
is over the far side of the room, so you don't get too much out of it, but it is enough to tell you what objects are down here. On either side of you, you find shelves. One of them has jars that all look like plant specimens, and one of them has jars that all look like animal specimens. Not all of the jars survive the wreck, but you don't feel any broken glass underfoot. Probably because when the boat sank, the whole area went underwater. Ah, and speaking of that, yeah, over the far side, you see the big gaping hole, almost a person's length across. And even though the boat has been lifted, that entire half of the room is still angled and largely underwater. The water looks weird. Let's just say that. And way back there, mostly sunken towards the hole, you can see a pair of tall lockers have fallen over. Uh, so, Chase, I think you should go search in the dark water. <laughs> What's wrong? Well, the water seems sketchy. Does the water seem sketchy or does the it water seems... seem scary? Well, that, yeah. I have a true phobia of water, so, like, this is... <laughs> look, that is completely reasonable. You look at this water. It's flowing in and out of that giant hole, and yet it doesn't look like ordinary seawater. Even in the dark, you can tell it's not even the right color, maybe not the right consistency. Something has mixed in here. You look at the shelves. Maybe some nasty animal or plant got in it and has been spewing infectious material through it like poison all over the floor that's now dissolved into it. You're not sure, but you do know you really don't want to touch it. That's when Uncle Ben comes racing down the stairs, Whoa! having not realized that Whoa! you were down here. Whoa! He stumbles, he trips over his own feet, and as he falls, he catches himself with one hand, which plunges right into the disgusting water. Oh. You... You rush to grab him up. Oh, thanks. Hey, that, that water, it doesn't feel right. Uh, what's up with that? He examines his hand. It looks unharmed for now, but you still don't want to risk diving into that stuff. Maybe it's okay for skin, but who knows if you dived into it, maybe it could do horrible things to your airways or your eyes or something. You don't want to mess with it in its current state. I was literally about to suggest we have the uncle test it. So <laughs> one step ahead of me. <laughs> um, uncle Ben, maybe we should test out that de decontamination option. I'm just concerned for all of you at this point in time. <laughs> I mean, he looks fine as of right now, right? As of right now. Yeah. Maybe keep tabs on him for later. Yeah, we could. <laughs> but what if we get one shot on the decontamination and we, uh, you know what? Sorry, Uncle Ben. I guess Chase doesn't feel like you're worth the one decontamination <laughs> option. Yet. <laughs> I will tell you, uh, by typing okay. decontamination, by typing things on the computer, you will get told what they are. To, so you will okay. have time to decide what you want to do after that. Perfect. Okay. Let's... Yeah, the, the stairs were deceptive and that they just work right away. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Let's look in the, I want to look in the lockers. Let's, so, let's lift those lockers up. So the lockers are way down the other end, submerged mostly in the water. To get to mm. them, you would have to go swimming right in them. 
Okay, let's turn around and not do that yet. However, as you do that, you can see sort of their vague outline. It looks like one of them has its door gently bobbing up and down in the water. Like one of them is open and one of them isn't. And uh, Ben looks over as well and he sort of points at them. In there, those lockers. That's where they kept their research. I'm sure of it. Do I see any padlocks on the lo- on the locker? Can I not see from the current angle? You can't really tell details. It wouldn't. Su- they are lockers, so it wouldn't surprise you if there were locks, though. Okay, let's go inquire on the computer and see what the things do. Okay. All right. What are you gonna type? I want to type the decontamination. You type in one three six. Ooh, a huge amount of text shows up on the screen. Luckily, you don't have to translate it again. It's a massive manual about dealing with infected or otherwise dangerous water. So you give it a quick peruse, and to summarize what you learn, the water itself is typically not a problem, but some living things find refuge in it and release their own gross, toxic stuff into their environment. And the way to decontaminate these things is you have to know exactly what you are dealing with so that you can use the right antidote, so to speak. So there are three qualities that you have to know about your infected water and what's living in it. You need to know the acidity level. So is it acidic, basic, or neutral? And for that, you need a pH test. You also need to know what order consumer is living in that water, which means is it a producer, like a plant? Is it a consumer, something that eats? Or is it a scavenger, something that feeds off death? Great. And the third thing that you have to know is what kind of toxicity you are dealing with. Is it venomous, poisonous, or mild allergenic? So for venomous, is that will it bite or sting you? Poisonous, does getting it inside your stomach or your airways hurt? Or allergenic, does it give you a rash? Once you know the qualities of the contaminants, uh, all you need is the right purifier to fix the problem. It does not give you any information about what the right purifier might be. I'm going to examine Ben's arm again. Does he have a rash yet? So you make him show his hand to you again. He instantly obeys, as he seems to do. You don't see any signs of blistering or itchy redness. No flesh eating either, so that seems to be a win. So uh, whatever's messing with the water mustn't be too bad. (coughs) Oh, whoa. You right there, Ben? Oh, come to think of it, I may have gotten a bit too close to that nasty water. (laughs) My throat stings something awful. Imagine if I'd fallen face first and actually swallowed the stuff. (laughs) Are you thinking what I'm thinking? What are you thinking? We have him drink the water. (laughs) No! We have all the information we need (laughs) (laughs) he emphatically uh implies to you that he would die if he swallowed it (laughs) well what kind of monster are you (laughs) this is what playing tabletop role-playing games does to a person (laughs) <laughs> My we alignment just has have not to yet find been defined. a purifier once he drinks it. <laughs> My goodness. Okay. Now, haven't so any of you I... ever inhaled something horrible before? It goes away on its own. If it yeah. doesn't kill you immediately, you're fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, if he's not getting a rash, it's probably not allergenic. 
Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's pro I believe from what your list you read, it's probably poisonous. That's my guess. Mm -hmm. So the toxicity I'm going to say is poison. Do we know where we can get a pH test? Can we look in the what was it that we had in the other room? I swapped my page over. There's the, the safety, safety kit. kit. That seems but like it's locked. That is yeah. locked. Right? Yeah, uh, that probably has a pH test in there. I want to type in 482 on the computer and just see what it says about sonic drop. <laughs> you tentatively press those numbers, not really sure what it's going to say. And it gives you a short description and a diagram of what sonic drop is. It looks like a kind of mini torpedo that is apparently shot out from the lower back of the boat. And after a certain number of seconds, it detonates a massive sonic wave that scrambles any sonar tracking or positioning systems being used by other marine vessels. Little weird. Seems like it would be more useful for a military sub than a small research boat. You see at the bottom of the screen, there is the option to confirm the use of it. But you do not confirm the use of it. You aren't really sure, at least at this stage, why you might want that. Okay. So I'm concerned. Big bloop as you said, is going to be big monster, and that's our old crap button. I guess then we probably want to go give the specimen jars a better look over. Hmm. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, that makes sense. Which first, animals or plants? Plants. Because if it's poison, it's likely from plants, rather hmm. it being from some sort of venomous creature. Uh, most of the plant jars are intact. Ugh. The same can't really be said for the plants inside. They are miserable. Quite frankly, they all look like they're struggling to live. They're dark and shriveled. Look, I mean, you know a little something about plants, and you know they tend to require sunlight to grow, even underwater plants, usually. You can't imagine that these guys have been seeing much sun. Like, down here, there's basically no light at all. All right, let's look at animals now. <laughs> so very few of the animal specimen jars have anything alive in them, or even recently alive, which I suppose is good. There's loads of shattering that has gone on here. You see a couple that have bones or empty shells inside, maybe with little bits of fish meat still attached to them, but mostly just bones. You see one that's intact, but its lid is missing, and it has a drenched, barely legible label that tells you that it once contained a sea snail that oozes corrosive slime. Yeah, that's no good. On the absolute bottom shelf, that is where you find two completely fine jars that are full of water and have a fish in them each. One of them is labeled as a surface dweller, like super, super shallow water. And the other one is called a deep diver. And they're very cute. They have big bulgy eyes. And they're and those, alive? Yeah, those seem to be the only definitively alive animals on this shelf. Except for Uncle Ben. Oh, you don't know. That cough could be getting worse. <laughs> and the lockers are submerged, correct? Uh-huh. Mm. Until you deal with the water. Man, I feel like we have to get into the safety kit. That makes sense to me. We might have to take a risk, get in the water, be dangerous, and then... Like, need the safety the kit. kit it's the danger. Yeah, exactly. Safety kits respond With to what's danger. what's inside of the kit. No, don't go in there. I'll save you. I'm the safety kit. As you head towards the water, job. you hear that. No, so. don't go into the water. I'm a safety kit. Please stay out here, but it's safe. 
Okay, okay. Stop encouraging them, Uncle Ben. <laughs> I've always okay. been a rapscallion. So no going in the water yet. Oh, no, please uh, don't do it. <laughs> Was there anything down here besides the jars and the lockers that I missed in my notes? I think you pretty much covered it. There's no labels on them? There might be. It's actually kind of dark down here. You could see the animal ones a lot better. They might be labeled, but you can't quite read them in this darkness. Yeah, it's a bit too dim. They're very small labels. The flare. Oh, my God. I have that written down on my other page like an idiot. (laughs) Other page is always how they get you. (laughs) Uh, Notebooks. All right. Should we should we light up the flare to get a better? Yeah. Yeah, we absolutely should. All right. You take the flare stick into the dark downstairs area. You stand right near the plant's shelf. You pull the cap off the flare. It's got an abrasive surface on the underside, so it's like lighting a gigantic match. And you swipe the abrasive surface across the top, and the blaze of light explodes out the end. Whew. Take a minute to get used to the glare. Now you can see. And not only can you now see labels on the plants, the plants are changing. A whole bunch of them are reacting to the light. They were in no way dead. They were just in some sort of dormant state. And now they're growing up in weird little shapes. And you've got an image for that. Yes. All right. We've got three rows of jars with little plants in them. These three rows consist of three jars jars each so there's a total of nine plants and they are almost shaped like runes the first one is called palikir capital of micronesia oh okay and it looks like three little lines coming up as if like you buried a capital e part way and then (laughs) kiribati is like a upside down u or an N, just a little yeah. curve. Weirdly the pronounced Kiribati, based mm, on Kiribati. their language. And it's yeah. a Pacific Island nation, uh-huh. and I believe it's the first nation oh, in it's time the, zone it's the, Yeah, it is first nation, and also first to be likely completely covered due to climate change and rising oceans. Well, I was going for a positive fun fact, <laughs> not a sad fact. <laughs> I'm intrigued with both facts, and I feel like they're both necessary for me to perfectly visualize this place. Exactly. Uh, Curacao. Looks like a one, but like, yeah, like a little one. And Antigua, which looks like a lowercase a. Funafuti. Capital of Tuvalu. It looks like a square, kind of. If you took off the bottom line and instead you made it diagonal between the two corners Hmm. and a little dot on top. Then we have Palau which is uh, like a U-shape. Barbados is an upside-down lowercase r. And Tonga, little tiny w. And then we have Cuba, which is uh, upside-down capital T that has the, the, the middle line is off-centered. I'm wondering if we stack these, if they're going to make letters and numbers, maybe? I don't know. Maybe these are all we have to stack alphabetically going down oh interesting you give the safety kit another look and that sticker that says stack alphabetically going down was written in green and the green is very similar to the green of these plants okay so i alphabetized them already while you were giving beautiful descriptions thank you 
So we've got, I'm going to butcher these names, even though you just said them, I'm going to butcher them again. There's Antigua, Barbados, Cuba, Curacao, Funafuti, Kiribati, Palau, Palakir, Tonga. So stacking them, going alphabetically, going down would mean that the, the A would be on top, right? Yes, that A-shaped plant of Antigua kind of looks like a lowercase a. Mm-hmm. So if just below that we had Barbados, that would make that a G? Tell me what you're yeah. thinking, because I'm not yeah. fully visualizing what you're describing, Chase. This is your drawing challenge. Yeah, so I'm trying to think, like, if we stack those, like, if we connect the Antigua little A shape with the Barbados line below it, like, if we kind of draw that out and we finish doing that, that kind of makes a G, like a lowercase g, but if we stack the next one below that, which would be Cuba, Cuba, like, I, I don't know if that connects any further to it. But I guess maybe we just draw, try to draw out the whole thing. Like, do we stack every jar? Yeah, draw it out. So, let's see here. We've got a little A with a little tail. Where would you connect? So, so do you think that it's going to be three separate lines? I don't know. It just says to stack alphabetically going down. So does that mean we stack everything? Like one long line? Because yeah, I, I could know. see how, like, possibly... Uh, Carabas mm. and Palau, those two could connect into like an O. And then the Tonga and no, that doesn't work alphabetically. Even the Tonga and the Palakir could connect to actually be like a three or an E. I'm so curious what your drawing looks like because mm-hmm. mine is utter nonsense. <laughs> I'm what do you I'm think? like working on this right now. I don't know. It's looking right. like nonsense. That no, looks that looks good. fantastic. That actually looked great. Mine looks quite similar. Can I show you mine? Oh, perfect then. It's nine one one now. Yep. I'm amazed that you did that and thought, no, this means nothing. Because once you <laughs> okay. know it, it's so clear. <laughs> yeah. Once you finish it, you can see that there's the line dividing the second one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> we did it. Oh man, that was good so work. cool. Uh, that's that was a clever awesome. puzzle. Like, that was well such designed. a good one, Danny. I love that. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm so glad. All right. You go to that safety kit and you type in 911 on the left lock and now on the right lock, they both click and the case swings open. Inside, you see a lot of small packages. You sort of thought it would be like a first aid kit, bandages, EpiPen, that sort of thing. But this isn't a safety kit for people. It's a safety kit for water. So you find a pH testing kit and a whole bunch of packets for killing bad stuff that grows in water, all with ridiculous sounding science-y names. And you're going to get an image of all of those individual packets. Yes, I will send you this image. This is linked for everybody at home. Chase, would you like to read out perhaps not all of these many, (laughs) many tablets, but a smattering, a a, a selective sampling? This is a selection of water purifier tablets. Uh, we've got lovely names such as Akonvin, Bakenpoi, Nekenpoi, Nezkal, Nezkapoi. Yeah, they, they, they seem to all end in poi, n, or all. 
Do we? Okay, so what makes you think that it's poisonous, M? Because we could do a pH test now. I think we have our, to. pH test is step one of three. Yeah. And then we've got poisonous, venomous, allergenic. And then That's step three. And then we have to know if it's a producer, a consumer, or a oh the scavenger. Third scavenger, thank you. Feeds on death, as uh, Danny so <laughs> feeds put. on death. Those fish will feed on death. <laughs> I guess we go do the PHS, the pH Let's test. Let's do the pH test. Yeah, it's super easy. These things they come with a very clear set of instructions. You take out the testing kit. It's got a little tablet of its own, a test tube, a chart to compare colors. So you take a sample of the bad water, very careful not to touch it with your bare hands just in case. Then you add the little tablet, you shake it until the color changes, and your water turns purple. According to the chart, that means it has a very high pH, which makes it basic. Okay. There was three options, right? Yes. yes. It could be basic. Ac- it acidic, could be... basic, or neutral. Yeah. Acidic, basic, or neutral were the three options. So that could correlate with these, like, right, we have three possible endings, so those three could potentially, like, and we have three possible starts, because they either start with A, B, or N. So facetic, neutral, basic, so we're going to use one of the ones that probably begin with an a, with a B, right, for basic. And then the C is going to be, like, bacon is going to be a consumer. consumer, or, yeah, exactly scavenger is scaven and then uh producer would be por okay it's like bathskull would be basic scavenger allergy yeah yeah exactly so that's so this is the decontamination things then so this yes. is the these the purifier tablets as listed in the name of the file yeah. type purifier <laughs> excellent so now you just gotta so, know what does it eat yeah what does it eat we have to put one of our pet fish in there. Yeah. We have to kill our fish, our fish friends. <laughs> yep. I named them. You did? In my mind. Yeah. What are their names? Which ones? Are, Bubbles yeah. and googly. Like googly eyes and like, yeah, bubble eyes. Because they have these big protruding things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now I have to choose which one I love more. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so... One of them is a deep diver and one of them is a surface dweller, right? Yes, that's correct. So surface dweller, bubbly. And then we've got deep diver, googly. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we start with the surface dweller, right? Because we can see that the water's all gunked up on top. So we're going to put googly, bubbly down no. there. Yeah. Wait, that was bubbly, wasn't it? Bubbly, bubbly. All right, we can kill bubbly. That's fine. Okay. All right, you toss bubbly into the water. E. Swims around a little bit. He's not crazy about it because it's disgusting. But nothing seems to eat him. You you hear from the water (laughs) as it tries to cough. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, a cute little fish cough. But yeah, nothing eat. Nothing eats bubbly. All right, uh, I'm going to quickly scoop bubbly up and try and transfer it back to its original casing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Get him back in the clean water. Yeah. Great. So wait, what would a producer be again? Producer would be more like a plant, something that feeds off sunlight and grows. That's going to be awfully difficult to tell what's mm. happening. And perhaps if you can prove that it is or isn't a scavenger, yeah. you might be able to then assume. Scavenger feeds off death? 
There was the plants, which we already yeah, stacked. Yeah, they're on their own shelf. The snail, there's two alive animals. We had a snail container with this that had the that secretes the ooze. Oh, bones. We had bones. Dead... Yep. Bones. Yeah, let's try and do that. You take one of the jars that has some old bones in it, old but not quite picked clean, and you empty them at the water's edge and nudge them in. And you wait, and then something so small that you can't even see it starts picking at that old flesh. You can see little bubbles forming. Something is definitely scavenging. Ha <laughs> ha! It is a scavenger then. Yeah. Yes. So we have a basic... Scavenging poison, poison scavenger. So that means that we're gonna use Bascapoy. 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 You rip open the. <laughs> you rip open the packet called Bascapoy, and you tip the tablet into the putrid water. It fizzes and dissolves, and pretty soon the water immediately around it turns kind of clear. And this clarity spreads out. It stretches to all sides until at last looks like ordinary seawater again. Whatever it was, you killed it. Amazing. Wow. Well done. So now we have lockers that are exposed and safe to reach. So let's let's dive in and, you know, hope nothing scavenge us. (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. Go in. No, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. You wait. No, I'm going. You're fine. Okay, go ahead. All right, perfect. You go ahead, Chase. You go I'm, I'm in. I'm in there. <laughs> you the wade water. into the water. You don't feel a thing. The water feels normal. Nowhere near as dangerous now. You don't cough once. You swim over to the lockers. You have to dive your head down a little bit to properly reach the doors. As you do, you spot a sign taped to one side of it, and it says, Locker Codes equals chest year. Okay. You take a look, and as you suspected from earlier... One of the lockers is slightly open already. The other one is shut with a four-digit combination lock. Chest year. Okay, what's in the open locker? Yeah, you take a look. The lock isn't broken. It just must be that someone was using it right before the big disaster went down and the sinking happened. You open the door the rest of the way, and the momentum causes a few things to float out with the water that's in there. First, a handful of small red gemstones... Nice. You don't know if they're helpful at all, but nice reward for all of your hard work here, so you stick them in your pockets. Next, there's a pair of laminated pieces of paper. And finally, there is a small waterproof box. You take it out of the water and examine the contents. You find several rows of what look like very small contact lenses and a handwritten note. Ben gives a start. Oh, I know that handwriting. This must be part of their research. Sure enough. There's lots of science-y confusing words on here, but from what you understand of it, these lenses can be placed in a fish's eyes and they automatically record the video and stream it back to the boat so that you can see whatever the fish sees, which is fun. <laughs> Again, though, cool research. Not something that you would expect people to kill the scientists over. So you look at the still-locked locker. Whatever really important secret stuff is going on, it must still be in that one. Oh, and speaking of important, uh, those pieces of paper. Now, there are two pieces of laminated paper. Who would like to look at the first piece? Go for it, Em. That is yours, Em. You can open up. You don't need to describe it straight away. I will now link the second one for Chase's eyes only. Okay. 
All right, now that you've each have one of these, would you like to roughly say roughly what you see? Say what you see to the people at home, Em? Very roughly, I have sets of instructions to interpret sonar readings and how we should react if we see such things within the readings. Yeah, mine is on-screen interpretations of sonar readings, and it's talking about how to steer a vessel when your sonar device will give you detailed directions towards a found object. It's recommending three people to use it. Well, that's convenient. Yeah, with the two of you and Uncle Ben. So do your instructions have to do with the south, west, and east quadrants? I've got southeast and southwest, yep. Okay, cool. I've got the other half. So as you're looking at this and you see, is recommend three people, one outside, one on reading the sonar stuff, and one on the controls. Uncle Ben very quickly volunteers to take the controls. That seems like the easiest job that doesn't involve much reading. So he's going to go for that, which leaves the two of you to decide who wants to be on sonar and who wants to be on outside deck. What do you think, Em? You take first dibs. Oh, no. Uh, I will take sonar. All right. So, Chase, you head to the outer deck, and we're just going to give you a bit of a diagram of what you see while you're out there. Uh, yep, so I will grab this. And once you're in place... We are going to give M a bit of a look at the sonar readings that she can see. Now, one other thing that these instructions for reading a sonar mentioned was that you have to act kind of quickly. Otherwise, the things just reset themselves. And that's why it's good to have three people on each of the separate parts. Which means okay. that as soon as you are ready, I'm going to start a stopwatch. Oh, no. And you are going to have to communicate to each other what needs to happen and tell Uncle Ben what buttons he needs to push. All right, are we, are we ready to go? Okay, hold up, hold up. <laughs> Let me. Chase is like, oh no. Yeah, you can f- familiarize yourself with the instructions. Yeah, let me get let me get a little familiar with the instructions here. So, I mean, I've got if objects located in the southeast quadrant, controllers should direct ship right left. The ship, and right is spelled W-R-I-G-H-T, left. And lest, object is in the second or third ring. If this is so, follow Northwest instructions. Northwest instructions are, controller should direct ship left, unless waves of any level surround more than two sectors of the outer deck. If so, follow the Southwest instructions. Or... Object is in an even-numbered ring. If so, controllers should direct the ship right with a W. (laughs) So you are going to have to communicate these things very clearly to Ben to make sure that he presses the right button. I've got the controls. If the object is located in the northeast quadrant, the controller should direct ship right right unless object is in the first or second ring if so, the controller should direct the ship in the right W, right, not W. <laughs> Only in one sector of the outer deck. 
Oh, or if only one sector of the outer deck is surrounded by rippling water. If so, follow the southeast instructions. All right, now, Billy, I just wanted to say, you do not remember what the correct solution to this is, do nope. you? Good. So that means that you are earnestly going to write down earnestly what they do say, what I, what and I'm then told. at the end, we will see whether it came out right. Oh, no. Oh, are we going to die otherwise? We'll if you find fail, out. you die in Keep real life. Keep listening to find out if we die <laughs> and whose right. fault it was. It's going to be mine. <laughs> okay. okay. So we're posting the first sonar reading. Right. M, this is for you. Chase cannot look at this. This is for M. Okay. This is a sonar reading. It is on the second ring in the northwest quadrant. So northwest it is on an even-numbered ring, so we're going... Okay, what are the waves, Chase? The waves on the northwest quadrant is rough water? Are waves of any level surround more than two sectors of the outer deck? Waves of any level? I don't know what that means. Okay. In that case, I am going to instruct the controller to go right with a W. I'm hitting right! Okay, currently it is on... Oh, God. I didn't realize that there was a middle ring. I don't think we were supposed to go right with the W. <laughs> I missed would you like, our rings. Would you like to reset and tell Ben I to reset? I would like to reset, please. I reset! <laughs> He's reset with a W and the ship explodes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Okay. All right, so it is on the third ring. So it has the middle ring, the second ring, the third ring. It's in the northwest quadrant. Chase, are there any uh, waves on more than two sectors of the outer deck? Does rough water equal waves? I would say yes. I would say, I would rough, say rough water, water equals, waves. equals waves. Okay, yeah. rough water equals waves. So is there is there waves on, what was the question? Waves of any level surround more than two of the outer deck. Gotcha. The answer then is yes. Okay, we need to go to the Southwest instructions, which you have. Okay, the Southwest instructions. Controller should direct the ship right with an R, left, right, left, unless an even number of sectors of the outer deck are surrounded by smooth water. You would know that, not me. Uh, the answer to that is no, so that's fine. Gotta Object hurry, gotta hurry. What am I Object is an even-numbered ring. If this is so, controller should direct ship left. Okay, no. So what? Where, which direction are they going, Chase? Yeah, right with an R. Right, left. Right, right, right left. left. Okay, bah, bah. I've done it. All right, go on to the next one. Next, next one. Next one. Okay, okay, clicking the next link. We have... Okay, it's in the southeast quadrant on the first ring. Chase, tell me what we do in the southeast quadrant. Southeast quadrant. Controller should direct shipped right with a W left, right left with a W, unless object is on the second or third ring. It's not. Hey, uh, rippling waters are found anywhere on the west half of the outer deck. Is there uh, rippling waters see. on the west half of the outer deck? There is not rippling waters, no. Okay, so what is the direction? So the direction is right left with a W. Right, right left, left with, with a w, w, Uncle Ben. Done. All right, another one shows up. There's a funnel on him. Oh, God, it's huge. Okay, southwest on the the one, one, two, three, the fourth ring. Controller should direct shift right to left with an R unless an even number of sectors of the outer deck are surrounded by smooth water, uh, which they are not. 
object is an even numbered ring. It is an even numbered ring. If so, control strike shift left. So we go left. 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 And Danny, I can tell you, I have explicitly put mm -hmm. right, left, spelled like the normal directions. Okay. Then I put right, left, where the first one is spelt with a W, as uh -huh. if I were making something. Okay. And then finally, just left the direction. Regular old left. Right, <laughs> left, right, left, left. You think you've gotten him to press the right buttons. Bop, 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 bop. And as he presses them, bop, 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 bop. the ship doesn't move. It does turn just a very small amount to accommodate these directions. You hope the water police don't notice. And once you've turned the boat every way the instructions have told you to, M, you see the sonar screen change. It has words come up. It says, target located, southwest, 225 degrees bearing, 155 meters, depth, 19 meters. Okay. Whatever it is that the cichlid has been tracking, you know exactly where it is. It's to the southwest. It's 19 meters deep, which is kind of, that's kind of deep. And it's 155 meters away. You know exactly where it is. You still have no idea what it is. Okay. On the plus side, it doesn't seem like it's moving. Southwest, 19 meters deep, 155 meters away. Mm. Oh, and we can't really move because the water police will know. But we have Uncle Ben's boat. Yes. We have contacts that we can put on Googly and Googly can go down. And I would guess that maybe there's going to be a chest down there, which will have the date to get us into that locker. Oh, man. OK, um, I'm going to go pick up Googly's container. Uh-huh. I'll get the contacts. I'm going to look Googly dead in these large bulbous eyes mm -hmm. and say, I didn't want it to go down this way. Um, I'm really sorry. I don't <laughs> even know how you feel about contacts. I love them. Oh, what a relief. What a uh, relief. That's what I, I call it when I use the bathroom. Do I not hear the voice and I just think she's crazy talking to a fish? Googly, you, you've always had such a sense of humor. You're my best friend. You're my best friend. There might still be some poison in this water. No, no, oh. Googly is fine. Googly didn't get poisoned. Oh, good. Googly didn't get poisoned. That was, yeah, that Chase, was you hear Bubbly's voice just saying... What did you do to me? I'm so sick. <laughs> oh. Eh. I was ready to sacrifice Uncle Ben. This is okay. <laughs> I chat with my best friend the whole way into the boat and off uh, 155 meters to the southwest. Ben takes you. Like One of you can stay behind to man the boat and watch the video feed, of course. Of course. But uh, yeah, so you put those contact lenses on Googly. It's not easy, but maybe easier than trying to put them on another person. There aren't too many people who have tried doing that. Yeesh. All right, so you take the fish, you zoom the boat quietly over 155 meters southwest, and you drop Googly into the ocean. And then the two of you get back <laughs> as fast as you can so that you can watch the video as well. And chase what you see this entire time. It's extraordinary. You see the fish dive down, going straight vertically, and you mostly just see water. Occasionally another fish passes it by. It's really exciting stuff. But then, just before Googly reaches the bottom, you spot something sticking out of the sand. As you predicted, it is a huge wooden chest. 
Googly, luckily, is also curious about this chest, so he goes over to inspect it. It has huge numbers, 1672, on the lid, which is wedged slightly open, and you can see a faint shimmer of red gemstones inside. Is this what the cichlid has been tracking? Is this research? It's like treasure hunting to me. Hmm. Googly, you've done us all a great service. Googly's free, and you'll be able to watch him until he probably gets eaten by something bigger, right? Nah, Googly and everything. It's going to be weird. Soon he'll be king of the sea. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go punch in those numbers on the locker. You swim back to the locker. It's hard to put in a combination underwater. M, you go too. You don't want to miss this, and neither does Ben. So you all huddle around it together. You get that combination in, and the door pops open. Inside... There's a large package, wrapped in cling film. What is it? Ben squints. You hold it between the three of you and you unwrap it together, and inside is a scuba suit. Look, a a very fancy one. It looks like it would work for really long, deep dives. According to what you see on the helmet, it's even got its own sonar-based personal navigation system built into it. But it's still just a scuba suit. You look at Ben in confusion. This is their big research project? Why would anyone kill for this? Because sometimes a pirate has to take drastic measures to get his treasure. And he shoves each of you into the two lockers and shuts and locks them behind him. Uncle Ben was a pirate? We should have sacrificed him earlier. (laughs) You hear him changing into the scuba suit. You think I wanted it to happen like this? Don't you remember when I killed your father? I used to talk like this. You think I wanted it to happen like this? I was on a voyage with them, searching for the fabled pirate's loot that had been lost here centuries ago. Research! Ha! You think there's any money in marine biology? Trust me, everyone in this field is only using it as a cover. Well, we found the treasure, didn't we? But once it was on board, everyone started getting that greedy look in their eyes. If I didn't take action, one of them would. So I used that corrosive sea snail slime to cut a hole, and I dumped the chest out through it. I planned on diving after it right away, but I couldn't remember the year on the chest in time before the whole boat started sinking. I had to escape and come back for it later. But I knew finding that chest was a three-person job. Now I have everything I need to dive down, haul up the treasure, and swim to my backup getaway boat without anyone finding me. (laughs) There's a splash. He's gone. You beat at your locker doors, but they won't open. There's water all around you. There's barely a pocket of air for you to breathe. And then, as your energy is running out, you hear voices. You hear loud footsteps rushing down the stairs, so you pound on the locker even harder to get their attention. As you hear them approaching you in the water, you yell the locker combination. Whoever it is rattles on the door and manages to get it open. You gasp for oxygen, and then you freeze when you see who's rescued you. Water police! A man holds up a badge. This vessel is in our custody, off limits to civilians, so imagine our surprise when we saw it turning on its own. You aren't very subtle trespassers, are you? You you stammer an explanation. The police are 
flabbergasted to hear your story, but they believe you. Turns out the old-fashioned kind of piracy is actually a really big problem in your part of the world. So, he's a pirate, an attempted murderer, an actual murderer, and he's getting away with treasure as we speak? <laughs> Call me crazy, but I think we need a way to stop him. He's got sonar on his scuba suit, right? Sonar will never be able to stop him. That's impossible to scramble. No, we have <coughs> the sonic drop. <coughs> Go right. punch in 482 on the computer upstairs, officer. I'll, okay, let's do it. You can go too. No, you're under arrest for sea crimes, probably. <laughs> if you let us punch Stay in, in those lockers. the real criminal, please. What you didn't Look, know is we, that as the we water police captain, video evidence. I'm also a pirate. And he shoved you in the locker. <laughs> There's no money in water policing. Everyone who's a water police officer is just a cover for a... No, no, he goes and he punches in 482. No, he goes, he punches in 482. He just sort of looks at it in confusion. He goes, uh, should I be pressing confirm on this? This looks like pretty dangerous stuff. You should come up here. Oh, yeah, don't you even know what a sonic drop is, officer? We don't have the budget for sonic drops anymore. <laughs> you push that confirm button, you push it real good. Activating sonic drop, the computer says. Then, ellipsis, ellipsis, ellipsis. Then it says, automatic drop system jammed, shoot opened, please direct sonic drop manually, maintain contact with water at all times. What? So the water police officer looks over your shoulder. Oh, the boat's sinking must have damaged its propulsion mechanics. It's probably inside the bottom of the boat. Hopefully this chute has opened up inside, probably near where we found you downstairs. Someone needs to point it in the right direction and make it go. You all scramble downstairs, and immediately you see that the water is swirling around a gap in the floor that wasn't there earlier. You wade over, and inside... It's that miniature torpedo-looking thing that you saw on the computer screen with a manual activation button on top, ready to be aimed and fired. Oh, All right, man. Chase, we've got to do this. So he's All probably right. going towards the treasure, right? Yeah, so we probably want to aim it. He wants to get it. the treasure, so we want to aim it southwest. Great. Right, 19 and... meters-ish deep. Cool. Now, it says that it's currently sort of underwater in here, and it says that it needs mm -hmm. to maintain contact with the water at all times. So, so we want to pick it up, carry it across and out into the the big hole that's in the side here cuz it can't like hop out and over. Yeah, so, we don't want to pick uh, it like all the way up. We want to no. like drag it in the water. Exactly. Mhm. All, all right. right. Together you sort of tuck the sonic drop under your arm. It's pretty heavy. And the two of you swim towards the hole. You take a deep breath and dive so you can get properly into position. You point the thing towards the southwest where the treasure chest was. You hope you're not too late, but Uncle Ben is a slow swimmer when he's encumbered by diving gear and, you know, a treasure chest. <laughs> you press the manual activation button, and you send the torpedo flying. You watch until it vanishes into the blackness of the ocean. You can't see it. You can't hear it. But after maybe 20 seconds, you feel it. The pressure inside your ears shifts. You get so dizzy that you stumble a little bit. And from upstairs, you hear an unfamiliar beep. The police officer goes to check it out. The sonar's going crazy. It keeps changing. Perfect. 
It turns out that trying to direct yourself underwater at night with no navigation system is kind of difficult, and getting yourself turned around is incredibly easy. You head to the deck and you stare out over the water, and after not too much time, a little way off in the distance, you spot movement. It's Uncle Ben surfacing, clearly thinking he has been swimming for miles while making absolutely no progress at all. It takes all of two minutes for one of the police boats to race out and apprehend him. It's a bit sad watching him get taken away, and even sadder to see the treasure chest enter police custody. Well, it is three and a half centuries old, it'll probably end up in a museum somewhere, which you suppose is the right thing for it. You, fortunately, are let off with warnings about trespassing and potentially interfering with evidence. The water police are kind enough to take you to shore and call for a ride for you to get home. The whole time you're with them, you keep your heads low, your hands in your pockets, you try to look appropriately contrite. Which is difficult, because with your hands in your pockets, you keep running your fingers along the shiny red gemstones that you managed to pick up earlier in the evening. And you think to yourself... Yeah, maybe there is something to this whole piracy thing. Congratulations! You've done it! Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, we did! That was awesome! Oh man, that was so good! 